You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay on this wonderful Valentine's Day. Tim, hopefully you got some plans tonight. You took care of business, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got reservations. Don't hey. worry. I, I didn't drop the ball. We're, we're hey. good. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. We have a little tradition here. Um, you know, sometimes we'll go out, but Mandy's Mandy's pick as far as what we do for Valentine's Day, for the most part, I've got a pretty mean homemade uh, Alfredo recipe, so she makes me cook dinner. So, um, nice. little side note, I love to cook. By the way, it's one of my hobbies. If you if you can't tell by the extra chins, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good to see everybody in here. Appreciate everybody dropping through. I know we got Peter Stone in the house, Andres in here, we got Shane. Uh, Boz, good morning, Boz. How you doing, buddy? David Mitchell in here. Good morning, Packer Nation. Peter Stone, happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Yeah, there you go. This is pretty cool. Shane TV says, just landed in Green Bay, Hall of Fame and Lambeau Tour with the wife and friends on Valentine's Day. Go Pack Go. That is absolutely awesome, man. I love it. Yeah, dude, you're doing it upright, man. The Hall of Fame, what they've done with the Hall of Fame is phenomenal. I mean, it's just – especially – especially some of the older artifacts when it comes to like Curly Lambeau's era and all that stuff, the watches, remember the championship watches, yep. like back in the day, they didn't get a trophy. Did they Tim? they got watches? They got watches. <laughs> and you know, they were like, that was, that was all, all the jam back then. You know, it was man. Um, love seeing the Lombardi's love seeing the trophies that they got before the Lombardi award too. Those are kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Um, before it was actually, I think they've actually got one before it was named obviously the Lombardi award. And it was, you know, it's just that kind of kind of looks like one of those old school golf trophies or something. You know what I'm saying? But they just yep. got some really cool stuff in there. So enjoy that, Shane. Um, the tour, though, Lambeau Field Tour, Tim, it's it's by far my favorite thing. People are going to shake their head and, and be disappointed at me for saying this, but um, I enjoy the Lambeau Field private tour better than I do a game. I just I absolutely love it, man. There's nothing like attending a game at Lambeau, but man, the tour, especially if you can get a private one where you're not like there's not like a whole lot of people with you and you can really talk to the tour guide and enjoy it and dig in. Love the Lambeau Field Tour, Tim. If I lived up there like you, man, I'd be up there twice a week, dude. I'd be broke. <laughs> I'd be so broke right now. <laughs> so, Preaching to the choir, Clayton. Preach it to the choir, brother. <laughs> yeah. You really got to put yourself on a snap count there, don't you, man, when it comes to <laughs> comes to that type of stuff i'm not much of a pro shop guy though I, i'm not the guy that goes digging through the pro shop it sounds like you are you love going over to the pro shop but i like checking it out i'm, I'm real picky though so you, you always got to check back and see what's what's there <laughs> um and then the cool thing is is you know there's stuff that's in there that you won't see online and then there's you know the opposite you'll see stuff that's only online yeah you know, they'll send you to the website you got to order it but it's always cool to pop in there you never know who you're going to run into I haven't been to the pro shop yet and not ran into Mark Murphy. So I usually, uh, maybe I'll run into somebody else next time. We'll see. But uh, yeah, maybe Jair, you never know, right? Exactly. He hangs around there early in the morning for some reason. So. <laughs> it sounds like it. Just here to tell you, Pack is back. <laughs> <laughs> Number That's one cool. Packer fan right there. Exactly. Number, there's there's a Packer fan. <laughs> no, no, it ain't, huh? Sorry. <laughs> that dude's actually a, a superstar cornerback. But anyway, <laughs> I love it, dude. I love the uh, just the 
what do you say, the innocence <laughs> and not even understanding and realizing that that was Jair Alexander. I love how it, well, coolest, coolest Valentine's Day story so far, right? Like how cool are, are these people, right? You're, you go to Green Bay, Hall of Fame tour, you know, checking out Lambeau with the wife. I mean, couple of the year right there for sure. Oh, no doubt. I love it. No doubt about it. Let's kind of dive into uh, since we were, you know, we were kind of talking about Jair a little bit. Let's talk about another cornerback that could potentially be back in Green Bay. And, and you guys know I'm, I'm kind of a, I don't know. I, I, I would rather, I would much rather dig too deep into a topic or, or look too deep into a, a rumor, a thought, whatever you want to call it, um, rather than just you know kind of sit back on the surface and go, I, I, I will find out later. I think that's a very boring way of living, me personally. But uh, I think that. The Packers putting out a video on WeFence talking about the special teams, right? Um, them putting a video out on it and kind of leading with Keyshawn Nixon is really cool. And I think it kind of, if you if you take the fact that the media team put that out, even though he's not he's not uh, supposed to be under contract for 2024, but we know he's wanting to return to Green Bay, didn't clean his locker out, all those things that we talked about here on the pod. The fact that the media team puts a video out and leads with him. Really got me feeling good about him, about him, you know, coming back as the return man in Green Bay. We got a video on WeFence. Um, yeah, as that's playing, I'll look through the comments. I think we might have a question here. But uh, let's go ahead and hit the WeFence video. This is really cool stuff. This is by Packers.com. You can check it out they, uh, for free on their Twitter page, uh, their YouTube channel. Make sure you go give it a like, a share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Here we go. Yeah, I'm number one, but I want to dominate. You know what I'm saying? I don't want it to be close. Keyshawn's dynamic. When he's got the ball in his hands, he's capable of breaking a big play. Like last year wasn't just a fluke. This is the first time everybody's seen it. Here comes Keyshawn Nixon to the 15-20. He's got running room down the left side. 30 to the 40, to the 50, to the 40. Cutting it back to the 30. Except the defender, 45-50. Nixon on the run, inside the 40. Just outside the numbers on the near left side. Cutting it back inside, 15 to the 20. Makes the turn, 25-30, accelerates, 35-40, left sidelines to the 10, cutting left, 15 through the hash marks, 20. Nixon on his feet, breaks the tackle, 30, 35-40, accelerate to the 50, to the 45, That's down the he goes. That's the way to start a half. With return, you either got it or you don't, and Keyshawn Nixon has it. A stellar season earned Keyshawn Nixon another first-team All-Pro nod. He's only the fourth kick returner ever to receive the honor in back-to-back years. He did all you see here, all while taking on an enhanced role in the back end of the Packers' defense. Another special team standout came in the form of seventh-year pro Eric Wilson. For the second straight season, Wilson was at or tied for the team lead in special teams tackles, proving to be a Packers staple on Wii Fence. Cutting right, he's up on a beautiful play by Eric Wilson. It's been good to have his leadership. His calming presence. Those guys that have played a lot of football seem to get some of the younger guys to settle down a little bit and hopefully perform well in the game. Rocked on the play by Wilson. He's a big time leader. He kind of sets the tone in that room. And just by the work that he puts in, he's a team first guy and it shows in his play. Absolutely love it, man. You know, the fact that he fired up over here, Clayton. I'm telling you, the fact that they the fact that they put that video out too is kind of like. Again, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I'm going. I don't hey, know, I, can, you, can you run that back and just mute it? I just want to. I want to put this yeah. on in the background real quick because I, I just. I know we've we've joked about this and talked about this before, but just watching Keyshawn run with the football. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way he moves with the football in space and makes guys miss. If we can bring him back as a return guy. And we can figure out corner. I, I legitimately do. I, I see him as a as a tailback or as a as a running back three or four. I really do. I know call me crazy. I mean, am, am I am I totally off base here? People will make fun of us for saying that, but I understand exactly what you see. Like, and, and what it comes down him to in traffic with the football. There's two things, and, and, and Mike Wall and many other people have spoken out about one of them being balance, right? 
Like balance is so important in, in the game of football and it doesn't get talked about. Like you'll hear about how fast people run in a straight line. You'll fear, hear how fast they move from side to side and this and that. But contact balance doesn't get talked about near as near as uh, enough, I should say. Greg Cosell talks about it a lot. Some of the, the scouts talk about it a lot, but the people in the mainstream either, well, you know, yeah, he looks like he would be a good player, but this doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. And they never mention contact balance. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. It's huge when you're playing corner, being able to keep your balance. How many, uh, you know, great corners coming out of the draft do you see that are slipping and falling down because they can't keep their balance? The other thing is fearlessness. You know, to be a ball carrier, you've got to be willing to get your eye level upfield. You see the hole. You see through the hole. You're not looking at what's waiting on you around the hole. You're seeing the spot that you're trying to hit and beyond it. And it takes a, a certain level of fearlessness to do that. So I see exactly what you're talking about, Tim. Now, again, they gave him a couple opportunities with jet sweeps and stuff, right? And it, yep. to the best of my knowledge, he did pretty good on them. The other yep. thing too is he'll run through arm tackles. So I get what you're saying in a pinch. I know this. If if for some reason we got a little banged up in the tailback room and we were kind of in one of those really, really bad spots that on game day, crap, we ran out of tailbacks. Like we're down the one and he's getting gassed. And let's say Jaden Reed isn't available because we're banged up at receiver or something. I know this. If they go to Keyshawn Nixon and go, hey, would you like to play running back? <laughs> what do you think he's going to say? He's going to be up. He'll have his helmet on already. He'll be ready to go. Absolutely. For sure. And I wonder what that means, you know, like throughout the year. You know, you've got to do your your film study and things. You know, you're, you're preparing to be, you know, a special teams uh, contributor. And, you know, also, yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, backup nickel slot corner kind of thing. So you're, right. you're understanding your job there, but then it's like, he's going to have to sneak into that running backs room and, you know, the quarterbacks room and, uh, you know, look at the offense too. So you're aware of what's going on. Cause you know, it's not as simple as like, Hey, get out there and run. You know, right. you got to know what, <laughs> what the blocking assignments are and you got to know where to go with the ball. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I think he's a dynamic runner and, you know, it's no secret when he has the ball in his hands, things happen. You know, he's a yeah. playmaker. So no, I, I completely agree. And, and again, people people probably hear that and they think it's you know that's a little too too fantasy for me. And I understand that, right? Yeah. If you were to say Clayton, you got to put money on it. Do you think you'll play tailback? Yeah, absolutely not. Right. But the point of could he, if you needed him to, I think it's there. That's There's all something. I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a it's gonna happen. It's just right. it'd be cool to see it, right? Yeah, he's he's a freaking football player. That's what it comes down to, man. You know, he's he's just one of those guys that you can tell he's he's good in space. He's good at making people miss. He's good at contact balance. He's fearless. All those things that make just for a good, well-rounded football player. Now, can he play corner? I'm not going to sit here and BS you and say, yes, this is the corner. This is the dude you want in playing nickel. But if you bring him back as a return guy, it's a nice floor to have because he has one full year of experience playing that slot corner position. And if you get, you know, if you let's say you do go out and draft one, you go, okay, here's going to be our starting our starting slot corner, and he gets hurt. I feel really, really good about Keyshawn Nixon coming off the bench to play slot corner. But if they re-sign him, you know, it, the, there's a good chance that he's going to be your starting slot corner, and they're just going to move forward with him like they did last year. I think it's fair to assume that he's going to get better this year too, after having his first full year kind of playing in that position. Now it's a new defense. Obviously, things are going to change, but. If there's one thing that stood out to me about Jeff Hapley on the BC tape, they love to bring those cat blitzes. And we've seen Keyshawn can do that. Keyshawn's not afraid to hit, right? And he's one of those guys that it sounds silly, but the same, the same attributes, the same qualities he has that may that would make him a good running back, you know, working well in tight space, uh, you know, fearless, you know, kind of accelerating with bodies all around him. Um, that's what makes a good cat blitzer too. And what I mean by cat blitzer is a, a cornerback blitz, that nickel blitz firing off the edge. Because typically what has to happen there is they they had a term for it. I'm trying to think of what it was, crush. So basically when you fire a cat blitz, some people refer to the outside rush of the edge, whether it's a seven or a wide nine tech, is a crush blitz where they're going to just try to crush the outside, right? And, and I think – some some people gave it the name crush because it's a C gap rush, right? Um, everybody, you you ask five people, they'll have five different answers as to why they would call that crush. But rushing outside and that opens up that interior lane. It's almost like a gap for a running back to run through 
for the slot corner to run through. Now, you know there's there may be a tight end trying to chip. There may be a left guard that they've got the protection set that they picked it up, that a 330-pound guy is going to come over and clean your clock or a running back is going to try to take your legs out. That's where the fearlessness comes in with those cat blitzes, those nickel blitzes. So. And just the championship mentality. You know, you, you Keyshawn's one of the – it's like the Michael Jordan factor, right? The game's on the line. You know, the great ones want the ball or they want they want their number called. They're not going to shy away from those moments. And mm-hmm. Keyshawn Nixon is cut from that cloth, man. That dude wants to be out there. Give me the ball. I want to make something happen. I mean, we had to beg him to stop bringing the ball out of the end zone right. after a while because he just, you know, that was his mindset is I'm just I'm going to go. I'm going to make something happen. And when you get a guy like that who's experienced and is still growing and has that attitude and that that, you know, that swagger and demeanor out there, that is huge, huge for your football team. So uh, can't wait till we get the news, man. It could be any day now. Um, yeah. And, yep. and the reason I'm leaning more and more towards it's going to happen, I mean, obviously he didn't clean out his locker and he told the media, I don't want to jinx anything, meaning he wants to be back. The media team puts out this video kind of highlighting Keyshawn Nixon and they'll interview him. Now, obviously the interview took place before the players left town, so it's not like he's still hanging around in town and they just filmed it. But the fact that they put it out there, if if the media team – has even an inkling that, hey, this guy probably won't be back, they're not going to go into the offseason creating a highlight reel of a player that's going to be playing for another team, right? Like it's just that's kind of the way my mind's – my you know, like my mind fires and I see that. It doesn't mean it's a guarantee he's coming back, but I think that the media team probably sat down and said, you know what, good chance he'll be back. Let's leave with this, right? And right. That, it, it's, it's also business 101. If that trickled down from the front office that, hey, let's put something together for Keyshawn, there's no better way to get a little bit a little bit better chance, a little leg up on the competition as far as free agency by stroking that ego a little bit and going, hey, look, man, you're the guy, dude. You're our yep. guy, right? So uh, let's look at the market value, though. This right here is what gives me even more hope that he's going to be back, Tim. So when you look at the comps, we're coming up with Keyshawn Nixon's market value, okay? And this is according to Spotrack, and you guys know, as we've pointed out in the past, they've been pretty much spot on with their market value on contracts. If anything, I feel like they overshoot a little bit, right? So I would much rather do that than go to, you know, the over the cap, which if you like over the cap, it's a great website too. Some people, a lot of people prefer it over Spotrack. I like Spotrack personally. But like to give you an example, if you go to Spotrack, and Patrick Queen, they're saying that his market value is like 18 and a half million per. If you go to over the cap, it was like 14 million. So over the cap, I would much rather get the number that's going to overshoot it than undershoot it personally, right? Because you're you're kind of trying to play best case scenario and managing the salary cap. But with that being said, here are the comps for coming up with Keyshawn Nixon's fair market value. James Pierre. Uh, from in Pittsburgh from 2021 to 2022 game played percentage was 97% tackles per game one and a half interceptions per game 0.06 coverage catch percentage 54.2 and then a a rating of 64 Trey Flowers um, also the 2021-2022 season notice how, how they had to go back a year to get the best comps, right? That's what makes these negotiations so difficult is because his team's going to the Packers and going, here's what we want. And the Packers go back and, well, let's find, let's see what players that comp out to to him, right, that compare to him pretty evenly as far as statistics, performance, that type of thing. And let's see what they're getting paid. When you have to go back a full year to find someone, that makes negotiations a little bit, little bit more difficult, right? Not that they can't get there. Trey Flowers, like I said, 2021, 22, 93% uh, games played, interceptions per game, 0.03%, coverage catch percentage, 72%, uh, rating of 54.9. Mike Hughes, 2022, um, 21 and 22 in Atlanta, 97% games played. Same thing with the interceptions. Tackles per game was 2.1. So you see the comps that they're throwing across the board here as far as Spotrack. David Long, 2021 to 2022, Las Vegas, 79% games played. Right. Uh, And then you go down to the average. What that average is out to, okay, is basically Keyshawn Nixon played 100 percent of the of the games. That's really cool. In 2022-2023, through those games, he hasn't missed a game. I didn't realize that, Tim. That's pretty wild. So durability is another thing, right? Availability. Availability and accountability. Probably the two most underrated abilities in the game. And versatility. Yes. Absolutely. 
being able to put him in, in, in multiple spots and not tying up another roster spot, you know, for a return guy, right? Not not having to carry that six wide receiver because he's a really good return guy, but he can't catch the ball worth the crap. Kind of like a I don't mean to dog on him, but like a Trevor Davis. Remember, people were yeah. so excited about him being a good returner there several years ago, but he couldn't catch anything, right? Just yeah. was, you could tell they were tying up a roster spot for an extra receiver that wasn't a good receiver. Uh, with Keyshawn, you're getting multi-purpose, and, and he can on special teams too. He can gun, right? He can come down and cover kicks. There's a yep. lot of things he can do. So he played 100 percent of the game. So that kind of amps it up a bit, right? Um, tackles per game was 1.5. So you see the comps pretty good across the board. Uh, Mike Hughes, it looks like yeah, Mike Hughes and James Pierre either matched or exceeded his uh, 1.5 tackles per game. Interceptions per game 0.04. Right. So you see the two best comps there highlighted in blue Uh, coverage catch percentage. This is kind of cool. Forty point five percent. Pretty good. Right. So when you take all those numbers, you got median prime percentage change of a positive point six nine percent. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And then an average prime percent change of 7.6%, um, 7.68%. What you come up with as far as a car, uh, calculated market value for Keyshawn Nixon is one year, $1.7 million. Tim, if you can get Keyshawn Nixon for one year, $1.7 million, bro, run run and grab the checkbook and don't let him get out of the park a lot. Man. Absolutely. And even, you know, looking at his age too, 26, I believe. Let mm-hmm. me see. He'll be 27 this yep, year. 20. Okay. So know you're yeah, with this. you know where I'm going, right? Lock him up till he's 30. Exactly. You know? lock, lock, let's do a, let's do a three-year deal. Let's do a, you know, or tack on void years, whatever, stretch it out, whatever we got to do. But I don't, I don't want to be back here again next year talking about what are we going to do with Keyshawn. And I think at this point he's, he's earned a multi-year deal and a spot here in green Bay for uh, at least the, the near future, you know, definitely. And what does that look like? Like if you took, 
if you took that and did it over three years, right? And again, that's the average salary, what have you, right? So we go 1.7 times three. If we did a three-year deal, that's 5.1 total. Okay. Now you got to talk about the guaranteed money, how much of that's guaranteed. Now he's going to look at that and go, Hey, I think I can get more in the market. You know, Tim, he probably could. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where I'm kind of trying, I'm trying to convince myself to just trust Spotrack where they've never let me down in the past because this seems a little low. But at the same time, when you look at him playing nickel, this is strictly for return purposes, right? And that's where the comp, it doesn't mention the return value, which I think the market would drive up a bit. So if you went to him and you said, how about three years, 5.1 million, he's looking at that and going, okay, I could probably get more somewhere else, but that is a little more security. How much of that's going to be guaranteed? What I would feel more comfortable doing is going as high as 6 million total. So you're going 2 million per and I would make half of the contract fully guaranteed. So I would do three years, six million at two million per, with three, maybe three and a half million being fully guaranteed. That way he knows, okay, worst case scenario, I'm gonna make, you know, three if, if they cut me after one year, I've made three and a half million dollars, right? Which is well over that that average per year that the, the fair market value shows with all the comps. And then I can go get another bite of the apple somewhere else in another city. So that's where the guaranteed money speaks volumes. Now, if he if they go to him and say three years, uh, you know, six million with two million guaranteed, and he goes, ah, and they come back and go, how about three and a half million guaranteed? Another million and a half on the spot in your bank account. That speaks a lot for someone who hasn't made a whole lot of money in the league, right? Right. And I think multi-year offer would speak speak a lot coming from from the Packers where you're right he could probably test the market he may may or may not get more money offered but it may be one-year deals you know yeah. and he's probably at this point in his career where he's like I don't I don't need another prove it deal you know I feel like I've proven it now now uh you know show me the the money and the years you know I think the commitment from the organization would would hold a lot of weight too but again what the heck do I know um, <laughs> I'm not in those meeting rooms. I have no idea what's going through, uh, Keyshawn's mind or, you know, Goody and, and, uh, Mark Murphy's mind. I have no idea. Um, but I do think it would be nice to see him, uh, in green Bay for a couple more years for sure. Yeah, me too, man. I think it'd be a good move. And look, if he comes out this year and he doesn't kind of rekindle that kick return ability after one year, you could get out with a, you know, what a, you know, let's say going into the second year, you could probably get out with like a, a you know, one to one and a half million dollar cap penalty. You're free of the contract moving forward. And hey, it was worth a shot. I just think, like he said there, you know, last year was the first year or the year before last was the first year we seen him as a return guy. And then he's the best returner in the game. Now they changed the special teams rules a bit, which obviously drives down the value, which is probably why it's not even mentioned on the fair market value. Um, I know someone in the chat said it's a waste of money. I don't know how in the world we see $1.7 million as a waste of what else are you signing for $1.7 million? Like that's as close to a veteran minimum as you're going to get. In my opinion, if I was Keyshawn, I wouldn't take 1.7. I'd try to get upwards of two and a half, three million per me personally. So, uh, but again, that's Spotrack. Um, and uh, again, this year he was the best kick returner in the game. And it's, it, you know, so quickly, Tim, we go from having a, a crappy return game, right, to one of, if not the best return games in special teams, and then it's all of a sudden, well, okay, that's fixed now. Let's, let's don't even worry about that. Let's put that on the back burner again. That's just – it was it was yesterday that we were muffing punts constantly. And I'm yep. sure if you looked at the stats, Keyshawn has muffed a punt or two. Everybody does at some point. But we were doing it – I'm talking about it seemed like every single week. And that was with a third-round pick that Goody handpicked to say that's going to be our special teams specialist. So, again, that's another another part of that fearlessness of being able to stare into the air while 11 guys are <laughs> screaming at you and for you to keep your head up to catch that. Even if it's a fair catch, you understand they can still take you out. It's a penalty. No get ejected. But they're still in the back of your mind. I hope these knuckleheads see me wave my hand because if not, I'm dead. Right. That's another thing that goes into it, in my opinion. So, yeah, I don't I have to respectfully disagree with the person that says Keyshawn Nixon as a returner is not worth one point seven million. <laughs> I'll agree with the point that the league is ruining football with these stupid <laughs> rules. I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, but Keyshawn, despite that, still provides value um, yeah. and it's still getting getting results, um, you know, in the return game. And again, like you said, not 
not a guy that you're wasting a roster spot on, um, not having to carry an extra receiver, um, you know, can contribute in, you know, multiple facets to our team, you know, special teams and, and defense and maybe offense too, like we, like we discussed. So, um, yeah, and I'm not a big fan of like starting caliber receivers returning kicks and punts either because it always, you know, you, you think about that. Like, I love watching Jaden Reed return punts. Don't get me wrong, but there is a part of me that's like, man, don't don't turn that that ankle on a return. We need you. We need you in the in the in the offensive scheme here. Um, when you've got depth and you've got guys on the other side of the ball that can contribute, that's that's important to me. I think. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm going to kind of dig back here a little bit and get back into the chat. Had a couple of them. Mark. Peter Stone said, I got to ask you all a question. I can't figure out why do teams go to prevent defense at the end of the half and end of the game, even if defenses are pretty much shutting down the opponent's offenses. And the reason being is because the opponent's offense isn't the same in the two-minute drill. It completely changes. They go to their two-minute play call sheet. So what's been going on throughout the whole first half They've been running their offensive system, right? It might be a wide zone boot. It might be a power run game. It might be a a West Coast spread, whatever it is. Your whole game plan was designed for stopping all the information you gathered on that offense, right? So it it could be working the whole first half. But as soon as you get in that two-minute drill and they're trying to drive down at the end of the half or the end of the game, all that goes out to the window. They go to their two-minute chart. So now you have to go to your two-minute play call. So let me give you an example. If someone's a a wide zone boot, team right and on the surface you're watching the game on the tv on the tv copy or whatever and you're going man they've been shutting them down they've been shutting them down why are we playing off now it's because they're going away from their wide zone boot and they're now going into a little more of a spread look you'll see uh, less nasty splits right you'll see them split out a little wider you'll see them start to attack at the mid and the high levels in the passing game if you stay with the same defense that was molded around stopping that power run game out of a 21 set or out of a 12 personnel and now all, you you stay in that same defensive mindset as they go to 11 and start to attack the mid and the high points, you're going to get cooked. Now, you, the thing about football, that's it's it's somewhat of a boring answer, but I'm telling you, it's so true. You you hear coaches say it all the time. The best coaches in the history of the game talk about, listen, there's no perfect defense to stop every single offense. It just doesn't exist. You've got to choose. I'm going to take this away. Or I'm going to take that away. So when you get in the two minute drill, what do you want to take away? If you're going to bring pressure, you're sacrificing the fact that you've got less bodies in the secondary. Therefore, if they just make one guy miss, they're taking it to the house. Right. As opposed to you've got multiple guys in the secondary with eyes on the quarterback playing zone, playing the, you know, the, the specific situation. Go, I challenge everyone who thinks like that. Go back and watch the Giants game. Go watch the final drive. Because the only play people want to remember is Carrington Valentine playing 12 yards off the ball. And we found out afterwards that he was the only player. Notice no one else is playing that far off. He was the only player on the field that didn't get the call on that play. Okay. So outside of that play on the final drive where he didn't get get it communicated all the way from the far sideline to him and him being a seventh-round rookie, LaFleur talked about it, Barry talked about it. It's the answer people didn't want to hear, so they just assumed they were BSing and said they were lying. You can watch the tape and see him looking. He doesn't get the call, so he plays it safe and backs off. I challenge you to go watch that final drive and look at the 31, 32-yard burner, the, the explosive play that cost you the game and gave them the field goal. They were not playing conservative. Keyshawn Nixon was playing bump man-to-man in the slot. That's how you lost the Giants game, was playing too aggressive. They weren't playing a prevent. If you had been in, in prevent, first of all, a prevent defense is where you've got six people dropping deep. Thank you. We, Thank we, you. We, say, say that again for the for the people in the back because the too high I feel shit. like a lot of a lot of fans, they they see you play a little bit off and it's no, we're, we're in prevent. We're in prevent. It's not prevent. Prevent is where you've got a back line of five to six guys playing deep. Now they may show it as a as a as a three high snug and then bell out of there. That's a prevent defense. If you're referring to shell coverage as prevent defense, that's that's not what prevent defense is. Yep. Playing a quarters coverage is not a prevent defense. It's not. And the reason you're doing that is because imagine you're the quarterback, okay, and you come to the line of scrimmage and you've got one of two looks. You need to get the ball out quick, get down the field, get to the line of scrimmage, either spike it or run the next play, right? Would you rather have to throw the ball 
into coverage where you got eight guys sitting with everything in front of you open and them snugging up for you to have to run back up, do it again, do it again, do it again? Or would you rather look out there and go, okay, they're firing six here. We got it. Let's slide the protection. They've got single high. He's bumping around the outside. This would be a good chance to take a shot. We stopped the clock. Nothing nothing harmed here. Like, I, I, in my opinion, if I'm calling the defense, I'll be damned if my call is going to be, let's play zero coverage because that's the opposite of your prevent defenses. It's saying no safeties on the shelf. Let's just be aggressive and fire. I'm telling you, man, you're one screen away from taking it to the house too. I just subscribe to the mindset of, I want to make them use as many plays as possible to get in the end zone because every play they run is an opportunity for them to screw up and our guys to make a play. Um, I will. It's a conversation we've had over and over and over on this channel, and you'll never change my mind that it would be better to give up a quick score, right, than try to make a team use the entire field. That just doesn't make any sense to me. You're basically saying let them score. I just – I don't – can't do it. Sorry. Never, never going to get me convinced that that's the proper way to play defense. Now, can you be strategic in how you're aggressive, firing a cat blitz, still keeping three deep, keeping everything in front of you? Absolutely. We're going to see this year, guys. We're going to see. You're going to get more man coverage than you got last year. We ran 23%. You're going to get more man coverage. Um, and we're going to see what the scoring the scoring uh, stats look like. We're going to see if we give up more points or more or less points. I hope we give up. I hope we give up the least amount of points in the game. I really do. Um, but to sit here and like you go and watch the Super Bowl, right? It, we just highlighted it for you. I broke down every single explosive play from the Super Bowl, and what I came up with was there were seven total explosive plays. Five of them came in man coverage. Two of them came in zone, and every single explosive play was on a scoring drive. Yep. It was literally when a when a team hits an explosive play, a running a running play of 12 yards or more or they hit a passing play of 20 yards or more, it triples their chances of scoring on that drive. That's the analytics that the coaches are actually using. Not the DVOA and the little stuff that you can bend and manipulate and pervert to prove your point. They're looking at it going, all right, how do we stop the explosives? How do we stop the explosives in the run game? How do we stop the explosives in the pass game? To the best of my knowledge, there was only one explosive play on the run in the Super Bowl. That was Patrick Mahomes' scramble, which is obviously off key. It was just kind of off script. Um, so the, both teams did an excellent job controlling the explosives on the ground, but there were – um, outside of that one, there were six explosives through the air. Only one of those six explosives through the passing game came in zone coverage. And, oh, by the way, it was a cover two zone, not a cover three or a cover four, which we've kind of pointed out is cover three is my favorite defense. You can disguise so much. You can play zone match. You can play buzz. You can play a little invert concept like you would with cover two. That cover two explosive two was actually a cover two invert play. And what I mean by invert is – if you're running a cover two zone defense, typically your safeties are your two highs, right? They're the ones that are covering half the field deep. And the reason it's aggressive is because they've got responsibility to cover half the field deep. If you're attacking it with a trip set, a bunch set, or even you're just going two by two with someone coming across the field, you can overload that zone. That's how you beat zone defense is you overload the zone. You run through and away from man, okay? You run away from man typically with crossers, uh, double moves, things like that. And to beat zone, you put more bodies in that zone than they have defenders. They're trying to cover space. You overload that zone. That's why it's important to have quick release accuracy, all those things. So with an invert two, you typically got you typically got the safeties up covering half the field. With an invert, with the way they do it, is the safety will rotate into the box. This safety will still cover his half. And then an outside corner will bend in and cover that. That's what you call invert cover two. So that explosive came from invert cover two. I'll give you another example of invert two was against the Vikings on New Year's Eve. Um, the play to uh, the play to Jaden Reed down the seam, they were playing a Tampa 2 invert where the corner had to come all the way across the field to try to cover that deep half. And the backer, the Tampa aspect, the backer was supposed to walk with the number two or the number three down the seam if they go vert. Obviously, Jaden Reed's going to cook a linebacker. I don't care who that linebacker is. It can be the best cover, cover linebacker. He's going to cook them. So, Cover two is the more more aggressive play call in zone. You've seen these teams; they went they went aggressive, and uh, that's where the explosive plays come from. And you're probably saying, "Well, what happened on the others? They weren't playing man coverage as much on those other plays, and that's why you controlled the explosive plays." So, 
Um, a lot of it too comes down to being timely. That's another thing. Like when you make these play calls, that type of thing. So, yeah, yep. that's the way I see it when it comes to the preview. But yeah, it, we got to stop. You know, it's like Lafleur said about you know exposing yourselves. You like when he took a shot at the media. We got to stop saying prevent. A prevent defense again is a prevent defense is get five, six, seven guys back and bat the ball down. That's a prevent defense. Quarters defense is not a prevent defense. Um, all right, let's see your number one Packer fan. I just bought a Packers 50th anniversary drinking glass that highlights the Packers beating the Bears in the 80s the day my wife was born. That's absolutely awesome. Anytime you can get a, a cross-reference to the uh, to the dates, man, that's where it's at right there. Dude. The Bears still suck. Absolutely. And uh, let's see, Peter Stone says, uh, KK, thank you for explaining that. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I love conversations like that, dude. I, I love absolutely – just diving into the X's and O's. It's something I've been studying now since, like I said, 2010. So I've got about 13 going on 14 years experience actually trying to understand the game and not just drinking a beer, watching the game and going, why are they doing that? Run the ball. So, and I learned something every single year, man. Every year I look back and go, man, that's changed because the game is just so cyclical. Now there's some people that, that they hear that and they think, well, I'm way behind the curve. You know, I've never done that. I'll never get caught up. You can get caught up this year because I promise you things are going to change this year that I've got to learn. And anyone who's ever studied tape, that's the that's, that's the secret. There is no catching up because exactly. as soon as you feel like you're caught up, it's different. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, all right. Let's see here. What else we got? So we did all of our mock drafts, right? We did six mock drafts. Understand these were the pre-free agency mock drafts. What the teams are doing at this moment right now is they've gotten all their scouting information in. They're building their boards, but the, th the main thing they're focused on right now is they're trying to run as many mock draft scenarios as possible, and they're going to do it again right before the draft. But the reason that's going on right now is they're trying to compile information and going, okay, if we were to draft today, what players, what needs could we potentially fill? You know, you're sitting here on this re-sign stage, if you will, you're on the cusp of it. You're getting ready to go into a, a time frame where you're going to try to re-sign your own players who are unrestricted free agents, right? Keyshawn Nixon was one we just talked about. So you build your needs list and go, okay, if those players weren't returning, what are our needs? And the needs that we came up with across the board, assuming we weren't going to re-sign anybody on our roster that's going to be an unrestricted free agent, we said four safeties, Four corners, three offensive linemen, two linebackers, one defensive lineman, one tight end, one halfback, one edge. Now, of all those players, here are the, the positions that we deemed, hey, we need a starting uh, caliber player. Two starting corners, one being a nickel, a slot corner, right? Um, two starting safeties. Um, that's assuming because, like, right now, Savage isn't coming back as it sits right now. I think there's a good chance he does return, but as it sits right now, you got to treat it like that. One starting offensive lineman, which would be your right guard. I think you should key on, key in on getting a starting right guard over a starting center. However, if you can draft a starting center and then maybe move Josh Myers to guard or plug someone else there, center is way more important than right guard. Don't get me wrong. But as far as the needs across the board right now, you know, you're going in with Sean Ryan potentially being your starter at right guard. There's enough momentum and uh, and uh, value based around Josh Myers from the 33rd team and their staff, which is former executives, former coaches, former players, that I feel more comfortable saying I would rather go guard than center at the moment. But if they come out and they spend a first-round pick on the best center in the draft, I will be jumping through the roof. Don't get me wrong. Like, I would be so excited over that. So you need one starting offensive lineman, right guard. One starting defensive lineman. People hear that and go, what are you talking about? We're going to a 4-3, right? We, we're going to have one less defensive lineman that we're going to need on the field the majority of the time, which it's not really true because we were in nickel the majority of the time. What I'm getting at is who is your who are your two best defensive linemen? You would say Kenny Clark, hands down, although we would all agree he struggled in the run game. Next would probably be Devontae Wyatt, right? That's the yeah. one that the, you could tell by the snap count the team sees him like that. Horrible in run defense. One of the worst defensive linemen at tackling running backs in the game. One of the best, better pass rushers, though, right? And there's a premium on pass rush, so that's the part that's like, man, yeah, they're they're probably going to run it back with Devontae Wyatt and just try to let him pick up this, this run defense game, right? Especially now with you going with a 4-3 front, having those three stack backers, it's going to give you a little bit of support there in the run game. 
um, on the backside. It allows them, when you look at Robert Sala's 4-3 defense, the way it's described is one gap, penetrating defensive linemen, you can be overly aggressive and just try to split the gap to get into the backfield. That's what's going to create more negative plays in the running game. The problem is, if you get overly aggressive and you try to blitz, whether it's a, a Will Mike combo or a Sam Mike combo or or what we refer to as a, an outside fire where you're going to bring both the Will and the Sam, leave the Mike in coverage, you can get too aggressive, split the gap, and you're off to the races. Another explosive play there, right? Um, the one good thing about the explosives, if I still got the chart here, if we do go to the Jet style, which is Robert Sala, that's who Halfley coached under in the NFL last. If you look at the explosive plays um, on the on the ground, they gave up um, probably middle of the pack, you know, 48 explosive plays on, on the ground, right, in the running game. Overall, they finished 80 uh, with 89 explosive plays they gave up, which was 12th best in the league. Notice the green means you were way better, right? The closer you get to red, the worse you are. Notice how their, uh, their passing game explosives they allowed almost in the dark green, right? And notice how they're running. Uh, there is uh, 48 is kind of in the dark orange or getting into the darker orange, right? So that tells you that that style of defense is giving up more explosive plays on the ground than they are through the air. So look for that to kind of – it's still going to be a big improvement over what we did last year, um, you know, as far as the results with the explosives. Now, who's the other team we could compare them to? You could say the Niners. That's where he came from, right? That's where Sala came from, and I imagine – their mindset doesn't change very often, right, when it comes to defense. Um, passing game, explosive plays, 47. That's kind of starting to get into the dark green. And then 33 explosive run plays they allowed. That's, uh, you know, kind of getting a little closer to the middle of the pack, but still on the on the plus side, the positive side. The other one would be Houston. That's D'Amico Ryans, right? Now you got to take in mind they're not as talented down there. D'Amico Ryans was, uh, took over as D.C., when Sala left, okay, so you would think his defensive approach is somewhat similar to Sala's. Um, obviously, he took over in San Francisco, then he gets the head coaching job in Houston. Um, his explosives are at 40 on the ground, so a lot worse, 61 through the air. Um, that offense really carried that team, man. But yep. um, that's that's kind of kind of how that looks there. You know, Houston was in the bottom half, but I think we would all agree that roster is not near as loaded on defense as the Jets are. So, and yeah. San Francisco either with the uh, Fred Warner, Jerry Greenlaw, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. Man, you gotta you gotta tip your cap to John Lynch. He's put together a hell of a team over there for sure. So anyway, that was a tangent, but I think it's important to cover that stuff for a while or as you get to it. Linebacker, we needed a starter and a and a backup, right? Yeah. Um tight end, we needed a backup, uh halfback we needed a backup, and edge we needed a backup. So what we did was we did six mock drafts. I compiled all the information, and the purpose here, Tim, was to see what we could fill. What needs could we fill using the draft if the draft occurred before free agency did? And what we came up with, these are the remaining needs after six mock drafts, averaging all the numbers out. We still needed 1.1 cornerbacks of backup quality. We needed one backup safety. We needed 0.8 backup offensive linemen. Cornerback, starting cornerback was 0.6. Safety, starting safety was 0.6. Backup tight end, 0.6. Linebacker backup, 0.5. Uh, backup edge defender, 0.3. Back, or starting linebacker, 0.1. Halfback, backup halfback, 0.1. And we were able to, with all of our mocks, we were able to get our starting offensive lineman and our starting defensive lineman. So what you do now is with that information, you work backwards. And you say, okay, what should we be more aggressive with when it comes to free agency, here should be the how the the positions that you're most aggressive with in free agency: cornerback, safety, offensive line, cornerback, safety. So in the top five, cornerback and safety are both there, right? Now we looked at the cornerback market, Tim. We didn't like it, did we, man? No. But not really. What did we just talk about just a second ago? I mean, we like the uh, like the potentials in the draft that corner but not yeah not exactly the free agent market but maybe linebacker or safety in the free agent market when we looked at Keyshawn just a second ago right the numbers matched up perfect so it makes all the sense in the world your your pre-free agency 
draft evaluation suggests you should be more aggressive in free agency with corner. We looked at the free agency corners. We didn't like them. Way overpriced, right? But here you got Keyshawn Nixon. It's all the more reason to be a little bit aggressive and bring Keyshawn back. Build the floor in that slot corner room with Keyshawn. If you bring him back, then you can check that cornerback. Backup cornerback's all we need. We need a backup quality cornerback and then point six on the starting caliber corner. You're actually getting a returning starter in the slot. It's just how good was he? You could check that off the list, and you don't have to go overpaying for good in free agency. That's what the good teams do. They never overpay for good. They're willing to over. They, they're willing to be. Uh, they're you know to be willing to overpay for great, but not good, right? So I would focus on Keyshawn Nixon there. Safety is the other need. I still think you should draft a safety. I'd love to see them get Tyler Newbin or uh, Kenshin somehow, some way there early in the draft. I I'd be okay with them spending that twenty fifth pick. Me personally. Um, yep. I know most of our mock drafts, we were able to wait till the second round to get them. Some cases, we got them with our two second round picks. We got both of them. But if you want to make sure you get one, you might want to reach a little bit and be aggressive. But when you look at free agency safeties, we got three, three on our target list. Then we got Geno Stone from Baltimore at six and a half million, Alohi Gilman from the LA Chargers at two point seven million, Darnell Savage is set at five million. I'm hearing rumors. I heard rumors about a week ago that there's a really, really good possibility that Darnell Savage returns. So if you bring Savage back, there's really one of your starting caliber safeties that you need. You get the other one in the draft, or you go and get a Lohi Gilman or a Geno Stone, and now you've still got space on the roster to draft one early because, you, like I said, we show a need of four. Anthony Johnson Jr. is the only safety on the roster, to the best of my knowledge right now. Maybe like a Zane Anderson with a futures contract, but nobody's expecting him to start, right? So. Right. Um, that's kind of how I see that playing out. I, I, I think that the numbers play pretty well into what we wanted to do in free agency. As far as linebacker, we pretty much were able to get linebacker. It was only one, you know, point one. It was our fourth lowest number as far as position that we weren't able to fill. I feel really good about getting us a good linebacker to go on that 4-3 defense and compete with Isaiah McDuffie to play. Most likely Will would be my guess. You know, that's another thing too, like, Quay Walker is more built. He's built better to play Sam, but they're trying to make him play Mike. They want him to wear the green dot. They want him to be the Mike backer in that 4-3. Um, I would be okay if Devondre is healthy, him being the Mike yep. and, and Quay playing Sam. But what we've seen with Dre last year, probably going to see Dre playing Sam and Quay playing Mike would be my guess. Uh McDuffie too, they may mix and match too, depending on the matchups. You know, you come into every game looking at their their tight ends, their running backs. How do we match up? All right, if they like to run a lot of uh, a lot of T left or T right, whatever it is, let's make sure that the backer that we feel better about the matchup on them, since we're going to be playing more man coverage, is kind of flip flop. So basically, you'll see. I'm sure you'll see them come to the line when they break the huddle. You may see at times whether it's Isaiah they feel good about that, or it's Quay they feel good about that, or it's Dre they feel good about that. You'll see them kind of switching out, following that line, following that running back to make sure they get the matchup they want. So, does all that make sense? And you got any thoughts on that, man? It does. I mean, especially when we talk about linebacker, I feel like you know we'll probably grab one in the draft. Hopefully, it's uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., one of our other guys we had our eyes on, and then possibly snag one in free agency as well. You know, I don't think we're gonna. Could be wrong though. We could draft two of them. Who knows? But um, I'm with you too. That you know. Quay's had to make some adjustments since arriving to the National Football League. You know, you look at his Georgia tape, a lot of Sam backer in, in that Georgia defense. And uh, ever since he's come to the NFL, he's he's been the Mike pretty much. So, you know, but he hasn't played in a 4-3 in the NFL yet. So who knows? Changes on the horizon. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out between the draft and free agency. It really is. Yeah, for sure. Let's see uh, what uh, number one Packer fan says. Maybe keep Savage as a low-budget insurance policy, someone who may work well in the scheme but can be beat out if a better player gets signed and you don't feel bad that Savage is coming off the bench. Amen. That. And here's the other thing, too. A couple years ago, actually it was the year before last, yeah, Savage played some slot, didn't he? Yep. That might be your answer to slot, right? It could be, and maybe he'll thrive in this defense. You know, we went back to Mike Pettin's last year. When Mike Pettin was here his last year, that was Savage's best year. 
when we went to Joe Barry, Savage has really dropped off. There could be a correlation there. We're going to yep. find out. If we come out more – if they do re-sign Savage and we're week four, week five in the season, he's still playing cheeks, and we can finally put that to bed that, hey, you know. But he may come out and thrive in it too. And, uh, you know, just – I challenge everybody to go back and watch the 2020 tape. That's when Savage played well. Let's go and kind of pick up our – what did he do well? Does he fit this halfway scheme a little bit more? When I, when I get people to describe to me, when they think that this halfway defense is going to be so different, I ask, why is it going to be different? What are you expecting to be different? They go, well, we're going to be playing single high more than we're going to be playing man more. I go, okay, we played single high fifth most in the league. So that is that is a fairy tale to think that all of a sudden we're going to be playing way more single high. We played a ton of single high last year. The man coverage, that's the biggest thing. So 23% last year for the Packers. The team that played the most was leaving me now. Gosh, who was it? Dallas was second. Who was most? The Atlanta Falcons. Um, they played the most man coverage at 40%. Would probably be somewhere in between, right? Because you can't look at the college numbers because the college teams will play way more man than anyone will ever play in the NFL. That's just kind of the, the nature of the business. The main reason there, too, is, you know, the game is different with the hashes, you know. Yeah. With with the NFL, you got a boundary side, you got a field side. The boundary side is the short side of the field. The field side is obviously the bigger side of the field, depending on where the ball is spotted. So all those things come into play too. Halfley, you can find plenty of uh, interviews with him um, talking about those the specifics of the of the hashes, the field side, the boundary side, and how it's different in the pros. So um, yeah, let's see here what else we got in the chat as we get ready to wrap up. Um, Steve said, Hey guys, what day does the combine start? I think somebody already answered him, but I think the date I seen was February 27th. It actually kicks off. They probably get there on the 26th and start measuring and stuff, but I think it's actually the 27th, which is obviously coming up here real soon. Uh, Hollister said, did you guys see Leroy Butler comment on Jordan love? I did not, man. Did you, did you see that Tim? Nope. Okay. Um, let me, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's just take a quick peek here on Twitter. It's probably ain't the best way to try to find the information, but I'm going to go hit it real quick. God, my notifications are crazy. <laughs> I just looked up and there's like 23 notifications. Great. Um, I'm sure someone in there is telling me how stupid I am. That's just what Twitter does. But uh, let's see here. LaRoy, was it a tweet? Was it on a show? Um, that's the kind of yeah, that's kinda, yeah, I don't know what – that could be anywhere. LaRoy's got a podcast, you know. I mean, yeah. so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it was with, positive, whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> the video was positive. They always make fun of him because he always talks about the spin cycle. Let's enter the spin cycle. I'm always going to spin it positive. <laughs> um, let's see here. This is marked. Oh, that's from last year. I got a German Shepherd pup over here banging on the door now. I think Leroy probably just said, "It's my quarterback." <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm not seeing anything really. I see the the. The most recent thing that I see as far as Twitter was January 27th, where he broke down a play against the Niners uh, with spoons. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't see anything specifically on Twitter. But anytime you guys got that, where we're going to run out of time on the show, go ahead and say what what he said, and we'll talk about Wait, it. Wait, hold on, I found something one day ago. What you got? Um, knowing that Jordan Love is my quarterback for years puts a smile on my face. Let's go. And, and Packers looking at building on the playoff experience. And he said, isn't Super Bowl 59 in New Orleans? Hmm, so was Ooh. Super Bowl 31. Okay, I get it. Oh. I get what he's saying. There People are already saying, too, get little Wheezy out there. He's from he's from uh, New Orleans, right, from Louisiana. Get him out there doing the halftime show, have the Packers out there playing in the Super Bowl. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I love on. it. How cool would that be? I love it. All right, let's get out of here. Last thing Steve said, Michigan's sending 18 players to the combine, man. Yeah, Harbaugh got that thing humming down there, man. Uh, they le He left it in great hands as he walked out the door. And I love how when a team dominates, they try to find a way that they're cheating, right? Um, it just cracks me up, man. Uh, it, you see it at all levels of sports. Like, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, man. And most of the time when something comes out and someone's cheating, you find out, like Nick Saban kind of talked about it a little bit, you know, in passing when all the news started breaking about Michigan, many other teams were sitting back like, eh, I'd rather not comment. You know why they'd rather not comment? Because they were doing it too. <laughs> That's why. They were like, stop cheating, Nick. And he was like, I'm not going to. So quit asking. 
<laughs> By the way, he's joining College Game Day. What a day! What a what a year to be alive as a Packer or as a football fan in general. Nick Saban joining College Game Day, going to be phenomenal. And then we got Tom Brady going into the booth for Fox. And I would be very, very surprised if Bill Belichick doesn't end up somewhere doing something this year around the game because he's just he's so good with the history of the game. Anybody seen him on College Game Day putting the old uh, old Navy helmet on? Yeah, yeah. Was so, all right, Tim, let's get out of here. Uh, we were going to potentially do a mock draft, but we got all our information compiled. I don't want to destroy you guys with mock drafts. We'll still do them moving forward, but we'll kind of scatter them in and about. I had a, a really cool history video that we were going to show. We'll try to get to that. There's a chance I'll do a show tonight. It's Valentine's Day, so highly unlikely. I know Tim's got plans. I know Emilio's free. Um, but uh, and by the way, date Mike out there. Jacob, Jacob's not not free tonight. I'm just going to put that out for Jacob. I heard that uh, he's got plans tonight. So anyway, nice to meet me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have that drop anymore, do we? We do not. We believe. No, it's out of the rotation. We might have to bring it back though. <laughs> we might. You're right, man. That, today would have been the day to do it, man. Because anytime, anytime you catch wind that Jacob's got plans, you immediately think there's a lady involved. Oh, we're gonna give him some. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the most eligible bachelor in Packer net, right That's there. Right. My man Jacob. So um, I know Eric Sutherland always talking about Emilio's good looks, but Emilio's taken, Eric. Give it up. All right, <laughs> all right we're out of here, boys. Appreciate you. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Uh, for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go, Pat, go. <laughs>